Hey everyone, good to see you all. So as Phil mentioned, we're going to continue our series in Galatians. We're going to look at the same passage as last week from a different angle. And let me say from the beginning that this was definitely a joint effort sermon with Rose, my wife. So if there's anything good or you like, please thank her at the end of the service. All right, let's read through Galatians together to the passage. Paul, an apostle sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Strong, strong words. (laughs) Uh, Let me tell you a story. This is happening in 1998 in Bosnia. Rose and her parents were living there. Her parents were working there in Bosnia. So between 92 and 95, there was war in Bosnia, part of the breakup of Yugoslavia. And one big project that was happening in the country was demining the country, right? Removing the mines. And so in class, they would teach, right, uh, the kids how to avoid mines. They would tell them, you know, like, stay on the path. The path is good. There are no mines there. But if you, you know, go out of the path, you might find a mine under a bush or a mine under a rock, you never know. And so in order to really engrave that point, they would have like pictures of, you know, people having a lost arm or a lost leg just to tell them, okay, you know, like stay on the path. (laughs) And so even when Rose would come back on holiday to the Netherlands, she would still, you know, stay on the path, right? Because that's what she was used to. Yeah, that's (laughs) And why I'm telling the story, because I feel there's similar to what Paul, Paul is saying here, you know, like, stay on the path, you know, don't move out of the path, because there are mines, and we'll look at what those mines are. Now, of course, this illustration about Bosnia is not perfect, and we'll see why it fails at a certain level at the end of the sermon. Before we start, it's important to say that when we're talking about turning away from the gospel, right? drifting away from the path, I think we're not saying that, you know, one day we wake up and we say, you know, today I'm going to turn away from the gospel. I think it's, as we mentioned last week, it's more of a drifting away that happens. It's like a slow fade. And it's interesting, I think, in Galatians afterwards, we will see why the Galatians were lured or tempted to drift away. 
and why we as well sometimes we can be lured and tempted to drift away. But that's not the purpose of today. Today we're going to explore what these minds are. And in other words, what are the consequences that Paul is seeing right, of turning away from the gospel. Before we start on those, those minds, one thing that is really striking when we read Paul Galatians is the passion he has uh, for the gospel, the passion he has for Jesus. Uh, he is so completely like, you know, he's appealing to the Galatians emotionally, personally, and clearly he's deeply concerned. And we see that from the first start of the verses, that whereas 90% of Paul's letters have a thanksgiving, you know, he gives thanks for the recipient's faith. Uh, here clearly, there's no room for thanksgiving, there's no time for thanksgiving, and clearly, there's no ground for thanksgiving uh, to the Galatians. Uh, and Paul's concern is that they are turning to a different gospel. And we'll see in later chapters what this different gospel is, but clearly Paul is saying immediately in verse 7 that what you are turning to is no gospel at all. Apart from the good news of Jesus, there is no other good news. And so we see that there is a lot at stake here, right? So much that Paul is saying in verse 2 that I am writing, but as well along with all the brothers and sisters, right? So clearly there are some teachers who are maybe coming from Jerusalem, right? Some agitators from the holy city and telling you that, yes, you believe in Christ, but you have to add something, as we saw last week, right? But I received the go my gospel from the Lord directly, and it's not only me who believes in these things, it's all these brothers and sisters, and together we are appealing to you not to drift away. I remember in my previous work, there was a sharp disagreement uh, with a client concerning finances of work, and so I went to discuss it with him, and then my boss went, and then the CEO eventually went, and basically they were all saying the same thing, right? that we all stand together and are appealing to you. About this, about this disagreement. This is what Paul is saying, right? Together, with all the Lord's people, you know, we are appealing to you not to drift away from the gospel. <coughs> In effect, what these agitators are teaching, they are, as Paul says, they are perverting the gospel of Christ. Right? So what it means is that they are twisting the gospel. What does that, I think, practically mean? What Paul preached to them is that we are saved through faith in Christ alone. These agitators are saying, well, yes, that's true, but you still have to add this. Right? And so, in other words, they are trying to earn their acceptance with God. The Galatians here, we can see in verse 4, it said, Jesus gave himself for our sins according to the will of our God, our Father. Right? So it was God's idea and initiative. Right? Salvation is his idea and initiative. So by trying to earn acceptance with God, what they are in effect actually trying doing is taking back God's initiative. Right? They are making it about what they do rather than what Jesus did. Tim Keller really sums this, sums this up well. He says it is not the level of our faith, how much faith we have, but it's the object of our faith that saves us. I want to engrave this point by um, using 
a wordplay in Arabic. Bill mentioned this, the last words of Jesus were, it is finished. Right? And this is not the Arabic really translation that you'll find in the Bible, but it's a synonym. The word is, maybe you can often hear it on the street, they say khalas, you know, like, you know, finished, enough, you know. And so, when you conjugate that verb, it means, it's khalasit. So like, I have finished. But interesting that as well in Arabic, that same word means, I have saved. Right? Khalasit. I have finished and I have saved. Right? So when we bring all this together, actually what we're saying, what we're saying is that we are saved by the finished work of Christ on the cross. Now, if we go back to what are the consequences of turning away from the gospel, what are those minds right, that Paul is talking about? The first one, we saw this last week. Paul is saying to the Galatians, if you turn away from the gospel, you are turning away, you are turning your back <coughs> from Christ. Right? You are turning away from that relationship. I was trying to think, you know, how like, how does that feel? You know, what does it mean? How can we really relate to it? And I can't talk about it because I'm not a parent, but I'm, I thought that might be a bit, we can have a glimpse of what Jesus feels, what it feels when we see our child, you know, going, turning away from what is good for them. Uh, I think that that pain we feel, oh, you know, this, this won't be good for him. But as well, I think that how Jesus feels, you know, you know, my, my son or daughter is drifting away. No? It gives us pain. Second, if the Galatians turn away from the gospel, they are turning away from God's call on their lives. Right? Verse 6 says, Paul says that, I am so astonished that you are deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. Right? Calling is a term Paul uses to describe how God's initiative to save us. Right? And Paul is saying that God called you, the Galatians. And later on, verse 15, he will say that God called me as well. God called Paul. And so God calls us as well. Now he has called us here. Maybe it won't be as dramatic as God called Paul, right, on the road to Damascus. But clearly, it is that same strength, it is that same power that called Paul, that called the Galatians, and calls us as well. Paul is saying to the, uh, to the Galatians, don't abandon God's call on your life. And clearly here we see already the inextricable link between God's call and his <coughs> grace. Right? If God called Paul was a devout Jew, you know, and God called the Galatians, <coughs> right, we see that actually grace operates without any regard to either ethnicity, moral behavior, uh, uh, worth. And we'll see that throughout this letter. As I was just thinking about the idea of grace, I always come back to this one event that happened in my life when I just moved to Switzerland there to study and work. And um, I was looking for a place to stay. And just some friends put an ad in the church. And there was just, just one person called John Schluter. I always called him the chief. You know, for me, it was like... <laughs> 
Yeah. And he just took me in his house for one year. You know, I didn't pay any rent, no nothing. You know? And we had just had a phone call before. He didn't know me, you know? And he just like gave me, you know, just his house. And I often think that, you know, I think about God's grace. You know? I didn't know. And so clearly, <coughs> this grace of Christ permeates at this whole letter. We can see already from verse 3, Paul starts. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And as well, it's interesting that at the end of the letter of uh, Galatians, chapter 6, he ends his letter as well like that. He says, grace to you, my brothers and sisters, from Lord Jesus Christ. So in some way here, Paul is bracketing, enveloping his letter, right, and the reality of God's grace. And we can see that all his arguments in this letter are fueled on, based on God's grace. And there's something here really important that Paul is not only right informing the Galatians of God's grace but important here is that he is placing them within the dynamic of God's grace he is placing them within the flow of God's grace what I mean with that we can see it already in verse 4 it says Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us yeah he's saying that he rescued me and you. You are in this dynamic of grace. You have been caught up in God's grace. You have been touched by God's grace. And in effect, what Paul is doing here, I think he's reminding the Galatians of who they are. Now their true identity. Now, he's saying, yes, these people are coming and teaching you something, but remember who you are. You were called to live in the grace of Christ. I think it's a good lesson for us as well that this was Paul's strategy. It can be our strategy as well. That was very interesting this past week. Um, I met up with a friend and at the end, you know, he told me, Vahe, I see God's spirit in you, you know. And that just, you know, just refreshed me so much. Because that for me is where I feel like I can be tempted to drift away from the truth of the gospel. You know, doubting is really God's spirit working in me, you know. And I think that's why... We come to church, part of the reason why we come to church, why we have fellowship, why we read our Bible, is to remind ourselves right, of the truth of what, who God says that we, we are. And Paul will do that in the letter. He'll say, remember the gospel that we preach to you. you know? Remember that you started your journey with the Holy Spirit. Now, don't turn away from that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. One more point about calling there's no coincidence I believe that Paul starts his letter by quoting saying reminding the Galatians of the resurrection as he says Paul an apostle by God who raised Jesus from the dead right? and I think he might be reminding the Galatians of the gospel yes uh, it's very interesting that five verses later immediately Paul evokes God's calling on the Galatians and I believe here, Paul, as in other places in his letters, he brings very close together the resurrection with God's call. Right? So clearly, here by linking it together, God's calling, calling, right, includes a transformative effect. Right? That same power, right, that was involved in this resurrection is also involved in God's calling. Right? As death was burst into life in the resurrection, right? and calling as well, there's a transformi transformative effect. 
so that I think when Paul says to call and to deliver the call to live in the grace of Christ includes a call to live a transformative, a transformed life. And I think Paul knows this really well. Uh, when he was Jesus called him on the road to Damascus, his life was dramatically changed. Right? And that might not be as dramatic for us. Sometimes, sometimes it can be. But other times, I think it's true for us. If we have walked with Jesus, I think we can look back, you know, even a year ago, two years ago, and I didn't, I didn't used to think this way, you know. I'm doing something different. Yeah? So this brings us to our third point. That Paul says, I think, that if you turn away from the gospel, you are turning away from that new life in Christ, from that transformed life. In verse 4, we see the center <coughs> of the gospel, where Paul says, Jesus died for our sins. But if we stop there, the picture is not complete. Right? Some people call this, if we just minimize the gospel to our personal forgiveness, right? we are saved from our sins, we'll go to heaven when we die, we stop it there. Some people call it, the, that's the gospel of sin management. It's a gospel that is void of any transformation of character or transformation of life. That's why I believe it is really very important that Paul here says, Jesus died for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. Right? And most Jews believed right, that history was, was separated in two. Right? So that this world in which they lived was dominated or controlled by evil forces. But at some point, God would intervene. And would, he would bring his kingdom. And he would rule. And so what Paul is saying here <coughs> is that Jesus rescued us from this present evil age. Right? That in Jesus already, the kingdom of God, this Old Testament promise has been already inaugurated. So that's what Paul will say afterwards in Galatians, that we are new creations. I remember um, when I was at university, there was this great intellectual, John Lennox, who came to speak to us about the defense of the gospel, about apologetics, right? And he used to debate against like these new atheists that were called, maybe you've heard Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, and all these guys. And at the end of his like defense, a brilliant scientist, you know, he said, he challenged atheists. You know, he said, bring me five person, five people whose lives have been changed by atheism. And I will line up here 500 people whose lives have been changed by the gospel and by Jesus. Well, I think that's true. So if the Galatians turn away from the gospel, drift away from the gospel, they are turning away from a new life in Christ. The last point before we close. Here Paul is so furious, right? He is so concerned. We see in verse 8 and 9, right? he says that even if I, you know, or even an angel, he was in a hyperbole, even if an angel or me preached to you, 
a different gospel than we preach to you, don't believe them. They are under God's curse. You know, that's so strong. And so by implication, he's saying, if you follow that teaching as well, you are under God's curse. It's one of, I think, the most dreadful dimensions right, of the New Testament. And so clearly here, Paul is framing his letter. He's putting from the Galatians these two polarities. Right? You can either live under God's blessing or you will live under God's curse. You're bringing condemnation on yourself. I think we can understand as we close why Paul now is so concerned and distressed uh, because there's so much at stake Paul, the Galatians calling their relationship with Christ their eternal destiny is at stake are at stake and this is where the story of the path fails what we're talking about that Rose would stay on the path because she was scared of the mines uh, and that's not at all the picture that the New, Trust, New Testament paints. Right? We're never, never driven by fear. Now the first commandment is not do not sin, just love the Lord your God. Right? And so we stay on the path because we love the path. Right? You know, we, we stay true to the gospel because we love the gospel. We keep our eyes on Jesus because he is so wonderful, he is so amazing. Our focus is on him. I want to finish with a quote from C.S. Lewis. It's in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where we are introduced to the story of Aslan. And that's um, how C.S. Lewis basically introduces Jesus and talks about him. Right, and this is what C.S. Lewis says Watch the lion roam. Right, so when a lion roams, you know he's up to something. Watch him carefully, learn from him. Watch the lion die on the stone table. Watch the stone table crack with new creation powers. Listen to the lion's roar. Trust the lion, love the lion, live for the lion. And just for our purposes, I added, live in the grace of the lion. Amen.